0: You know, when we think about, and Jeanette, just thinking about that nothing separates us from God's love, it's important that we have an understanding and an accurate understanding of God's love and how it works in our life. And today what we want to talk about, I want to talk about what the Apostle Paul saw as his ministry and how important it was to the Apostle Paul as well as how important it is to each and every one of us. And this is from the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 where the Apostle Paul is talking about the life that we have in Christ, who we are, how this is accomplished, but he's talking about the ability to bring people together and for us to have a relationship with God. And it's, it's very there, there, there can be no one you know, in the human life except for Christ who could explain this better than the Apostle Paul because there's probably no one who felt distinct from other individuals kind of like the Apostle Paul because he was a Jew, he was a Jew of the highest order, and he certainly had a dislike for Gentiles and uh, so god in his smile on his face and his understanding that surpasses all of our understanding which hopefully as as we go through life we we get a, a better understanding that god knows what he's doing and and can take care of all these issues but we find here that the apostle paul is is t- talking to the Corinthians, and he's talking about his his ministry. And we'll begin here in verse 17, where he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone, and the new has come. Now, this is the the conclusion of the matter, that he's saying that again, if we're going to be in Christ, then we've got to be a new creation. That's why I kind of have a little problem Uh, with the the thought of just on its own, just as I am. Because I hear people talk all the time, well, that's who I am. But it's usually, as a matter of fact, about I'm not going to change. And take me or leave me, and and, and my problems, they're going to stay the same. But the Apostle Paul is saying, we are to be a new creation in Christ Jesus. And it's important for when we think about reconciliation, that there is a transformation. There is a change that takes place in a person's life. So he says, again, that a new has come. And he's talking about that in the moment. And it's important for us also to understand it in the moment. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ And gave us a ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and he has committed to us a message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, and so now here's an inclusiveness in this conversation, in this letter that he's writing, for them as well, because it's not just, Paul, I have this ministry of, of reconciliation But he's including everyone else and saying, we are now all ambassadors here of Christ. As though God were making his appeal through us. And so we have a part to play in this. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, this is the context of what we're talking about in terms of ministry of reconciliation. And so, as a pastor, that's what Paul had to do. So, imagine for a moment, bringing it up to date for us, the Apostle Paul getting the Democrats and the Republicans together, and we're going to have a president, and we're going to all be reconciled. Imagine how difficult that would be in our present-day world because we have people of the democratic persuasion who cannot agree with one another. We have people of the republican persuasion that cannot agree with one another. We have people of independent persuasions, and then we have people that say, I'm not even going to get involved in all of this, and and we, we have problems. But just imagine trying to bring the world into a reconciling moment. It's very, very difficult. So the same thing was true with the Apostle Paul in his day because he was trying to bring and help people to understand a reconciliation that is far bigger than that. A reconciliation of mankind to God. Sinners to God. Bringing people who were legalistic. And, and, And there are also some in terms of legalism, there are some correlations that we have in our world today. There is the 1% in our world today. who Basically, we talk about have everything, own everything, the 1%. Legalism is the same way. It has its 1%. That is the people who are making the laws, and they make them to fit their benefit. If you're a, as I've mentioned before, if you're very legalistic, then you make the laws and you make it very easy for yourself to do them. It is a lot easier in one sense for a pastor to be legalistic because he's got to be a church. <laughs> he's, he's setting the rules and all of that, and he's setting the kind of the doctrines and how this church will operate, what will be done. And so he can become part of the one percent. And in that legalism. And in that, it's very hard to reconcile, for other people to be reconciled, uh, to feel and to understand what reconciliation is all about. So in verse 17, here what we have, Paul has a definite conclusion about anyone who is in Christ. That first of all, he or she is a new creation. Secondly, that the old is gone. Now, and that's important because we can tend to think, I'm going to change in the future. But right now, I'm still, in, I'm still the old me, and I'm going to change in the future. Which I believe is a terrible mistake and a disservice to yourself. Because, see, the beauty of what we have been given, we've been given the opportunity to live the kingdom of God now. There are people who say, well, let's wait, you know, until the millennium comes, and then we'll do all that and live the kingdom. No, we have the opportunity to live in the will of God now. And the will of God is so different than the law. And, and that's why when I I hear the, the outlying prayer of Jesus, it, it just takes on a different form if I say, our Father in heaven, thy kingdom come, thy law be done, as opposed to thy will be done. It just takes on the law and grace have quite a conflict going on. And it's very difficult. Because if you can, quote, keep the law, you tend to be ungracious towards everyone else who can't do it. Or keep it to the full. Or you think that you're keeping the law. On the other hand, the grace of God and the will of God go hand in hand. And the new has come. And there is newness in Christ. And there's newness in our life. And that newness brings us a happiness. It brings us a sense of peace. It brings us a sense of joy. Then verse 18, the Apostle Paul says this about this ministry. This is from God. Now, it's important for us to recognize the ministry of reconciliation is from God. It is also, he says, it is God's doing. This is what God is doing, bringing people together and helping them to understand what reconciliation is about Jew and Gentile, God and mankind. And then, but the reconciliation you think, well, okay, I can get along with one another, or I can get along with, I can be reconciled to people to whom I choose to reconcile, those whom I choose to forgive and will forgive me. But if if not, then I'm not going to be reconciled to them. But, But it is about reconciliation to himself. Now, so with saying and talking about reconciliation, what does reconciliation mean? Well, it means patching up a conflict. You say, well, I don't have any conflict with God. Well, um, I would suggest that we have had conflicts with God. If God were, that we would be probably much like the rich young ruler if, if Jesus came along and said, sell everything, come and follow me, and go this path, we might have difficulty if we just got a new purchase and the like, we might want to go out and try the Oxen or drive our tractor or drive our new car, if we got a new car. Not that any of us are getting a new car in the near future or whatever. We, we probably will get a new, you know, here's the hopeful thing, the encouraging thing. You and I will get a new car, but it will be it'll probably be 20 years old. It was once a new car. But th- that's how it works for us. And then it's about patching up a conflict. It's about restoring a relationship. And so the Greek word, catalog, which is restoration to divine favor, that is what rest, uh, reconciliation is about. Now, just getting out your Webster's Dictionary, the English rendering of reconciliation is no longer opposed, or to win over to friendliness, or to make compatible. So when we read here what the apostle Paul is talking about it is bringing us into a re- reconciliation with God to him himself. Now this is why over the years what has worked for me in terms of my definition of reconciliation and I'm telling you it's mine but I've told you this before. This is this is my heart, my emotion speaking in terms of reconciliation and kind of what I with light from God. And the way I put it is this. Reconciliation is to me, is for Jesus to look me eyeball to eyeball, and me look Him eyeball to eyeball, and know He doesn't hold anything against me. That, for me personally, melts my heart. It changes my whole life. It sets me free. Because reconciliation is a setting free an incredible setting free and so the apostle paul has this ministry of reconciliation of helping people to to understand to appreciate the grace of god and he can speak both to legalism and he can speak to the grace of god he's in both places he was felt perfect in his legalism and then he understood almost the fullness of the grace of God in his own life and then he himself even had a report from God that his grace was sufficient for him and so there is that encouragement in that but our reconciliation and it's important for us to understand because we can tend to think if we're legalistic that we can be reconciled by doing what we want to do but reconciliation doesn't happen that way Reconciliation comes through Christ. You cannot do it your own way. We are reconciled through Christ. It comes no other way. It is not possible by our own efforts. So let's take a look at reconciliation through Christ, because it changes everything that in terms of how we look at it. It is The basis of reconciliation is this. It is the death of his son. You think, wow, that doesn't seem very reconciling, the death of his son. But let's read what the Apostle Paul tells the church in Romans Romans chapter 5, verses 10 and 11. Here's what the Apostle Paul says about reconciliation here in verse 10. He says, for if... When we were God's enemies, now this is encouraging, even though it's discouraging, but notice Paul uses the pronoun we. He doesn't use, the the 1% are going to use this. When you were enemies of God, that's what the 1% will do, and you will going to feel really guilty, and full of shame, and, and crawl out of services as it were but no he says but when we were God's enemies we were reconciled to him through the death of his son so how were we reconciled to God through the death of his son but now here's the encouragement that follows this in the same sentence how much more having been reconciled shall we be saved through his life So we have on the one hand the death of Jesus, his son, that brings us into reconciliation with God. And on the other hand, his life that brings us into a relationship, an everlasting relationship with God through that reconciliation. But he doesn't stop there. Verse 11. Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God. So in this reconciliation, there is a rejoicing in God. Through oh, this is where you cannot skirt Jesus. We rejoice in God, but we do it through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through again, through whom we have now received reconciliation. We have now received that reconciliation. Well, what about maybe the future? So what if you if you're living this this moment in time and you're thinking well, God hasn't reconciled. I haven't got this all balanced out. Now take, for example, your checkbook. If you can't reconcile your checkbook, and you're sitting here today, and it's not reconciling, and generally reconciliation, you're not real worried about it if you think you've got a whole lot more money. But we who are enemies, that's kind of negative. We're, our balance is way out of line, and we can't get it reconciled, and how in the world are we going to figure this all out, which is very difficult but now we are reconciled it changes this very moment in which we live and how we see God so it is the basis of reconciliation one is through the death of his son number two it is through the cross and let's take a look at what Paul has to say about that when he wrote to the church at Ephesus these things are congruent throughout but in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 16 we read this the Apostle Paul writes this and reminds us, and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death the hostility. And we're talking and he's talking about laws here and about the Gentiles and how they were foreigners and all of that, but through one body, not through a whole number of bodies, But rather through the very body of Jesus Christ, through the cross, that he reconciled the two of them. And he put to death that hostility. And then thirdly, it is by the blood of the cross that he has done this. In Colossians chapter 1 and verse 20, we read this. So Paul has written to the Romans. He's written to the Ephesians. He's now writing to the church at Colossae, and this is what he says in verse, verse 20. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace. Now what is he doing? Making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Reconciliation is a matter of making peace. Taking away the hostility, breaking down the middle wall of partition against us, and all of that. So he's making peace. It involves peace. And, brethren, when we recognize this, there is incredible freedom in God's forgiveness. Because how often do we kind of wonder to ourselves in our moments when we are down and discouraged, or in moments when we haven't lived up to the law, or we haven't lived up to what we know we want to do and how we want to live. But to know and understand that we have God's forgiveness is incredibly freeing. And this is both in heaven and in earth. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on in verse 21 of Colossians, and it's, it's part about in his body of flesh and by his death, he goes on. And then, so this is what He says, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. So sometimes we can think, well, I haven't done anything. I just thought these things. No, we're enemies of God in our minds. It's easy enough to do that. We, we can turn our back on God's grace. We can turn our back on God's love. We can turn our back on, on God's will in our life. So he says, we were alienated from God. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through the death. Now, and here's what reconciliation does. To present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Now, I don't know about you, but the past few months, it has been, my world has been hit with a certain negativity. <laughs> it's just the condition of the, wor- the world is in. Um, I'm getting the New York Times now, and I'm reading stories. Well, my daughter got it for me. It was a a gift to me. Uh, Anyway, so, no, it's not I'm uppity, muckity, and snooty and all of that. But in reading those things, and it's one of the first things I do in the morning, is a cup of coffee and paper, and then I'm reading about what's going on in Somalia. I'm reading what's going on in Syria. I'm reading what's going on in Greece and in Europe and migrants. I'm reading what's going on in the immigration. I'm reading what's going on in Russia and Ukraine, Afghanistan, and, and these places. I'm reading what's going on in, in Central and South America with the virus. You know, I'm reading what's going on in the financial world, and I'm thinking, oh, my I'm re- you know I'm hearing what's going on in the political world. And if you listen to all of that, you're going to be nuts in no time at all. I simply, you know, refuse I refuse to let all the news of the world to take over the gospel which is the news of God. And there's a difference. So and and I'm just saying that if you listen to all that You're going to miss out on a whole lot. But he says that that God presents us in reconciliation, holy and blameless, and accusation free. Now, I can I think I recall a scripture in Revelation chapter twelve and verse ten. I think it's twelve and ten, it says that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. We we live in a world of accusations and the like. So when we when we look at reconciliation, we have to recognise that reconciliation is affected upon man while we are one, we're still helpless. This is Romans chapter five and verse six. Why we were still helpless with without that, that God has reconciled us? While we were still sinners, Romans chapter five and verse eight. And also while we were enemies of God, Romans five and ten and we've read here. And what we read here in Colossians 1 verse 21, while we were God-haters, that God has done this in advance. He has reconciled us. And God has given us, you and I, a ministry of reconciliation. And so Paul was the man teaching that and helping them to come to understand what does that mean. How does that translate into our everyday Christianity? And so that's what Paul preached. That's what he saw in his calling. That's what his ministry was about. So when we look at Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 19, it's more expansive than just Israel. Because reconciliation produces within us a peace with God. It produces an access to God. It produces a union of Jews and Gentiles. Now, when it comes to humanity, if you say Jews and Gentiles are any human beings left out, that's all of mankind. And by the say, what did it say? That he reconciles the world? That is what God has done and has done through Jesus, reconciled the world. And he's not counting men's sin against them. And he has committed this message to the apostles. We see that. So Paul says now that we, in verse 20 of Second Corinthians 5, we are ambassadors and God is appealing to the world through us. Now, how is that accomplished? How does God appeal to the world through us to help them to understand reconciliation? If we try to do it by legalism, by the law, it will not. You cannot reconcile. It, it, it won't. It won't happen.
1: Because the
0: law accuses the letter of the law kills. So let's take for example the Jewish Sabbath. Friday sundown to Saturday sundown. No question about that in the old covenant when you look in the new covenant and Christ is our Sabbath it takes on a whole different gracious concept because by the way if you're working one minute overtime on Friday or by the way you start doing something before the sun goes down then you're guilty and who are you fooling? Who do you think you're for? Because how many times have we toyed with God and played with God on some of these issues? We said, hmm, you know, I'll just do this and one more thing or, you know, it's a day of atonement. So let me, I'll just drive to the restaurant and I'll park in the parking lot and I'll even order in advance so that when the sun goes down, I can eat. You know, it's like we're playing games with God and think, you know, where are we coming there? Or, you know, we, we're going to tithe. 10%. Make sure you get. And you saw what the scribes and Pharisees, the Amos, the coming. They're, yeah, they're doing all of these things. And, and then you've got your own standard. Well, you know, if you're going to do that, you need to make sure you have all of that. And you might need to put one more in there just in case. Just in case. It just falls totally short, but we are ambassadors of the grace of God. and the way that God works is, is and which is so encouraging to us, is Galatians 2:20 and I want to mention this. I know this is one of Mac's favorite scriptures, mine as well in Galatians chapter two and verse 20, where it says, "I have been crucified with Christ. Now, If you think that reconciliation and grace is that you can just waltz your way in and you can do whatever you pretty well please, that doesn't happen. Paul starts with this sentence, I have been crucified with Christ. And to live graciously, you're going to get crucified. But he says here, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Now, see, that flies in the face of where people say, I just, I do what I do. I am who I am. Uh, you know, I can, that's just who I am. And the like. He says, but Christ lives in me. Now, we understand that that is, uh, Christ lives in us by the Holy Spirit. By the way, if you're worried about legalism and you're living by the Spirit, can you even possibly conceive? that the Holy Spirit, God, the, the, the Holy Spirit, will sin. It's inconceivable that the Holy Spirit would lead us to sin. So people were thinking about, well, just living in the will of God. It is far more powerful. It is far more god And what God wants us to do is to live in the will of God, allow the Holy Spirit to live in Christ to live his life. Now, but will it be conceived by people in the world and legalists as being sin? Yes, it will, because Jesus lived this life under the old covenant, and he got accused all the time of living, doing things that were sinful. And he did things that were contrary to the old covenant. We also recognize that. We've talked, we've talked about that before. Examples, you know, reaching out and t- touching a leper, which you cannot do. Uh, not stoning the woman taken in adultery because he was without sin. He could have, you know, he in fact, he should have been the one, according to the old covenant. He didn't do these things. Um, so we see that. So we, Paul says that Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. It is not our faith. It is the faith of Christ Jesus. Because I don't know about you, but I find that my faith is kind of like waves, big waves, up and down. And oh my, how promising that I can be to God and how faithful I can be to God when things are going my way. But when they start going the other way, it's like, Lord, no, I don't want to step out of this boat and walk on the water. You know, that's not where I want to be right now. I just find that trusting God isn't very easy. But the faith that Jesus has, you know, and you think, Jesus said, that if you had faith of a grain of mustard seed, you could move mountains. And I'm thinking, oh, how is that possible? And yet we, we, we are a people. Well, this is a total different sermon, but i just kind of give you a hint. We are a people who believe in incredible miracles. I mean, Our understanding is based on, quote, miracles. give you one example that God the God of heaven sent his son Jesus from heaven to here and that that's who he is and God died yeah yeah like whoa anyway but God lives in us Christ lives in us but not only we live it by the faith of God, but notice here the other encouraging thing. Who loved me and gave himself for me. This is how we live life. So as ambassadors of Christ and people who are reconciling, and I've got it, I'll commend my wife again, because she made this beautiful relish tray for all of you today. And I put it in the car, and she said, we ought to probably put it in a box so it's easy to carry in. It okay I'll get the box put it in the box got here and I just before I got here I said Do you know that really strange I'm just looking forward to it, enjoying that and all of that so I said I'll get it I got it set it on the trunk of the car got my briefcase it slid off crash bang all of that you know she and she didn't say a word to me she didn't say you idiot how could you all of these things, which just is the way I think God living in us changes us in how we interact with one another in our humanity. And so I'm just commending her on that, and hopefully we all can be like, like Christ because things do happen. And, and in part here it says, who loved, him, who loved us and gave himself for me. And he says, I don't set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law. Christ died for nothing. It is through the grace of God. So, we can't just say that take it or leave it. It's all about me. You know, or like some, I just tell it like it is. What if Jesus took that attitude? Well, I just tell it like it is. Jesus, you know, mentioned he's sending the Holy Spirit who guides you into truth because there are many things I want to tell you but you're not yet ready for it. You know, I thank you. If Jesus would tell us like it is, uh, we'd be all in big trouble. We'd have problems. Now, so what is our job as ambassadors of Christ? We are to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And legalism keeps us from growing in the grace and knowledge. How our lives have ch- so changed when we have come to understand the new covenant, the grace of God. I say come to understand. You, you all understand in my saying, come to understand. <laughs> that is a whole process. A whole process that will go on all of our life. And at the end of days, and we see Christ and we know God. We just say... I was such an idiot. I thought I understood grace, and we understand what God is doing. But So we're to grow in that, which then brings us to the point that Peter also emphasizing, because I'm trying to emphasize to us, brethren, that in reconciliation, it doesn't mean that we get to do what we want to do be what we want to be. That's why he says in times past we were enemies of God. We were ailers, aliens, and strangers, and foreign. But in this life, we are to take on a different nature. It is the very nature of God. In 2 Peter chapter one, 3, verse 18, we read this in terms of, of the nature that we are to have in our lives. 2 Peter chapter 3, and verse 18, where it reminds us here, in verse well, that's that's grown the grace of knowledge. How about Second Peter one and verse four is where I was headed. Where it talks about and through through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them that we might participate in the divine nature we're participating in the divine nature, but what also are we doing, and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So there's a divine nature that is at war with the old self and we need to be reconciled to God. Now we are there, therefore, brethren, transformed by the grace of God. And that reconciliation, what God has done through His Son changes everything. It's a transformation that comes from within and not from outward legalism. It is the work of Holy Spirit bringing us to Christ it is Jesus who exemplifies the grace in its fullness. And in this, rather, we need to re- recognize that grace and guilt can't coexist. They just don't coexist. It changes our life. Grace and shame are in two different worlds. Now, this is not outside of the work that God is doing, because I'll mention to us, again, a reminder that in Hebrews 9, verse 9 through 14 verse 14 he says he cleanses our conscience God cleanses our conscience and he removes that the reality is that when we live in the full grace of God the reconciliation of God we live in that will God takes away the guilt and the shame we're not motivated by guilt and shame to live our life. We're motivated by the, the Holy Spirit, by the grace of God. It changes us. In all of that, as, as Paul, in writing to Titus, tells him, you know, that grace works against all ungodliness. So there's a transformation in our lives. And Then when we think about being ambassadors and being reconciled, and it is in this great appreciation that the Apostle Paul himself recognized that he had a ministry of reconciliation because he'd been on the other side in full force, and now he's brought onto this side, on the God side, and that God has a job and a responsibility for him. And that's when he writes here, and this is why it's so encouraging, I think, for all of us to recognize in Ephesians chapter two, verse eight through ten, we're we're familiar with this. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. So when we talk about reconciliation, it has to be through Christ. It is a gift of God, and and Christ is the gift. But we also receive gifts from Him. It is a gift of God, not of works so that no one can boast. And look, and and how unreconciling is our world because people have to out-boast one another. They have to be better than everybody else. I was thinking probably the greatest distance between two points after this past weekend, the greatest distance that you can have between two points is... Winning the Super Bowl and not winning the Super Bowl. Because if you win, everything. If you don't win, you're nobody. You're nothing. Your whole season's gone. And you're thinking, how ridiculous is that? And a reality. Yes, I know, being number one, you think. But it's, it just seems like an incredible ability of the human mind to not appreciate the fact that the blessings, the the victories that you have and the like. But he tells us here, so no one can boast. Then he says, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Now we're created in Christ Jesus to get us back through him to do good works. And it's in in this understanding of being reconciled to God that just frees us up to do good works, that God prepared in advance for us to do. I tell you, it's in this framework of reconciliation with the understanding that we can come before God and know that we're reconciled, but not only us, that He reconciles the whole world. And anybody who understands that reconciliation cannot be the same person they were before. In that reconciliation, we change. And to think that God says that we presented holy and blameless in his sight. Christ, the great reconciler, who brings to us life through reconciliation, through him, what he has done. He's given us an incredible hope. That is the ministry that we're called to, the Apostle Paul. We are also as ambassadors of that. And we have to continue to grow in that grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And pass it on. And share it. So brethren, enjoy the work that God is doing in you. As the Apostle Paul says, the life I now live, it's not me. It is Christ who lives in me. And who loves me. Let's conclude in prayer. Father, we thank you very much for everyone, for your blessings here that you've given to us, for your word, for your helping us to grow in the grace and the knowledge of your Son and our Lord and Savior. We ask that you truly would help us to accept the reconciliation that comes through Christ Jesus so that we might live life and live it more abundantly to your glory. And in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Feeling the blues today? Or tired of life already? Do you have questions about life or need spiritual advice? The Worldwide Church of God is located in Fairfield, Santa Rosa, and Modesto, California. We welcome everyone to attend our worship services with us every week at the times listed on your screen.